This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's a workplace toxin. And yet, stonewalling happens in Malaysian companies every day and as recent headlines would suggest, even at the highest level of administration in our country. Former PNB Chairman Tan Sri Abdul Wahid Omar was said to have been stonewalled in his attempt to get an appointment with Prime Minister Tun Dr. Mahathir Mohamad. And more recently, former Kazana Managing Director Tan Sri Azman Mokhtar was given the cold shoulder when attempting to do the same. But is stonewalling an effective way to communicate dissatisfaction to your employees or subordinates? And is putting people in cold storage the solution to dealing with unproductive or ill-disciplined staff? This is Resource Centre with me, Audrey Raj, and we're about to discuss the infamous management approach that is called stonewalling. We have on the phone with us Dr. Roshan Othman, Senior Partner at Human Capital Development. And after the break, we'll also be speaking to our resident NLP specialist, Sheila Singham from Human Equation. Dr. Roshan, we'll have your thoughts first. You have heard the alleged sequence of events. Uh, there's a major shakeup involving GLCs and GLICs. You get wind that the new leadership under Pakatan Harapan and Tun Mahathir is unhappy with the direction your company is heading or with your performance as chairman of the company. You try to make an appointment with the head of state, hoping to clear the air to seek advice on future direction, but... The man in charge seems to be ghosting you. You can't get through the door. You're under pressure. You feel the only way to go from here is out. Is this what stonewalling is intended to do? Uh, I think the closest term to describe that is more of a cold shoulder rather than stonewalling. Mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that sometimes uh, people or leaders would prefer to create a respectable way out for officials that they feel have not lived up to certain expectations. Okay. In the field of communication, this is what is called a signaling effect. You try to convey that, that desire without being very uh, harsh or being very offensive. And I think in some ways it's also respect. Uh, reflective of our Eastern culture where people tend to not be comfortable with very direct message. Mm. So what they do is they, they, they tend to send these signals with the hope that uh, the incumbent would understand the message and that they will, you know, exit the positions. Now, of course, there is always a question of whether that is fair and uh, unfortunately, we do not have the full information to really pass judgment on on, on the specific uh, cases uh, to know with certainty whether due process has been given in terms of listening to both sides. Mm. Uh, the impression that I have uh, based on newspaper reports, which can uh, give you only a partial picture, mm. picture is that there were probably some homework done in order to come to this, uh, some of these decisions. The way I look at it, it's kind of a passive-aggressive way to tell someone you're not okay with them or that they're not welcomed. For me, it feels like when you give your uh, significant other the silent treatment, but a lot worse. And we all know that this is not what you're supposed to do because it never really ends well, does it? Yeah, it is 
both a kind of a passive-aggressive, also a, a form of conflict avoidance instead of having to deal with it openly. Uh, there is that uh, preference to, you know, as you say, giving the, 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 that silent treatment. Whether it goes well or not depends on the objective of the person making those decisions. They may not want to be seen to be too harsh, but of course, over time, when it becomes a trend, then the public perception may be may not necessarily be favourable to the issue. Would you call it a tactic then? Because I understand that this is quite rife in the workplace today and managers over the years have often stonewalled staff intentionally to convey a, a certain message. Yeah, indeed, it is very common. And I think the term that uh, we are sort of accustomed to is sometimes putting people in cold storage without telling them that, you know, they are no longer wanted or they are no longer appreciated. So you put them in a position where they are basically out of the way. Uh, and uh, and people do it for a number of reasons. Uh, in some cases, it can be because the person is troublesome, uh, a poor performer, but management for some reason feel that they do not have enough basis to dismiss the person. So what they do is that they shift him or her to a certain position where they'll be out of the way. In some cases, it's a political strategy. Uh, for instance, for leaders to get rid of critics, uh, more vocal subordinates or even peers to basically make their job much easier. So the motive can be very different. For instance, I had a colleague uh, who was in fact my dean. Uh, and he's one of the few guys who would openly express his opinion. And there was a disagreement uh, between him and the vice chancellor. Uh, in fact, two of the deans in the universities disagreed with a certain uh, decision or a certain policy that was uh, being proposed by the vice chancellor at that time. And both of them expressed their opinion in the Senate meeting. After that, both of them separately were called by the vice chancellor and said, look, there's a promotion opportunity in this other university. Would you like to take it up? So he thought, well, okay, that sounds nice. You know, he's going to be promoted to a higher position. And he took up that position and transferred to the other university. Uh, only to discover that when he arrived at the university, his friends there basically told him, look, when you're here, please don't do what you did in your previous university. We know uh, your conflict with your vice chancellor. And then suddenly discovered, uh-oh, it's not a promotion after all. It was actually being cold storage. The vice chancellor used the promotion as a guise to basically get rid of him. Uh, so that actually happened to, to this colleague of mine, you know. In fact, for both of them were transferred to the same university. <laughs> is it an effective management technique? Well, it is always relative to the person using the technique. Uh, in some cases, if the leader is ambitious and he feels threatened by a peer or a subordinate, it is effective for him, though it may not necessarily be effective for the organisation. The problem with stonewalling someone or putting them in cold storage is it doesn't really only affect the personnel in question, does it? It can have wide-reaching effects. The team might feel threatened or fearful that the, the same thing could happen to them. Yeah. Uh, again, it goes back to why the decision was made in the first place. As I said, in some cases, people were transferred into cold storage positions because they are either poor performers 
probably in some cases because they have seen to be a troublemaker or abrasive in terms of dealing with other people, couldn't get along with the rest of the team. So moving people out uh, into such position may actually serve a purpose. It may, in fact, be functional in terms of uh, improving morale. But in situations where people who are generally respected seen as competent who are moved, uh, transferred into such, a situ- into such a cold storage position because of the political ambition of someone else, then it will create the perception of injustice. Uh, and what it will uh, cultivate within the organization is this feeling that, you know, everybody has to watch over their uh, shoulder, uh, be careful about what you you see in meetings, so that so the overall effect is going to be a can create a suppressing effect in terms of the uh, climate within the organisation. Uh, I remember a few years back I did a, a study what we call a change readiness assessment uh, in one organisation that was supposed to undergo transformation, and there was indeed this phenomena, then we look at the correlation between the culture of the organization and the perception of politicking within the organization. We saw that people who perceive there is a lot of politicking within the organization, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of factionalism, tend to also be very reserved about expressing their opinions. They feel that the climate is unsafe and they would prefer that they keep their opinion to themselves. So there tend to be that suppressing effect within the organisation. We're taking a quick break to squeeze in some messages right now. But when we come back, we take a closer look at the Kazana scenario to see if stonewalling was deliberately used to get the board members moving. Resource Centre will be right back. BFM 89.9 Bringing fresh meaning. BFM 89.9 This is Resource Centre with me, Audrey Raj. We are discussing stonewalling today and if it is an efficient management technique. On the phone with me right now, Dr. Roshan Othman, Senior Partner at Human Capital Development. Dr. Roshan, let's use the Kazana National Incident as an example. Tun Dr. Mahathir publicly chastised the Sovereign Wealth Fund, claiming that Kazana had deviated from its original objectives. The board feels they could be responsible for this. They can't be sure because the MD can't make an appointment or can't get an appointment with the Prime Minister. So the board, all nine of them, hand in undated resignation letters to allow the man himself to make the decision on whom should lead Kazana. Stonewalling seems to have worked here, right? Uh, as I said, uh, sometimes there's an eastern way of doing things, like teachers who do not like or are not happy with the performance of some student, they deal with it by the silent treatment, mm. or even spouses tend, tend to, to resort to that kind of an argument, mm. uh, to that kind of an approach. Uh, and that probably what was happening. And uh, it's really hard to say, isn't it? Because we're on the outside. And but but don't you think that the Kazana board would have felt the same since they didn't have access to information or means uh, to communicate with Tun Dr. Mahade? Yeah, I think because it was not very clear who it was directed to. Uh, therefore, I think in terms of taking responsibility for. The what's happening in the organisation. I think that's why the board 
felt that they should uh, submit the letter of resignation because ultimately in any organization, the board is the highest uh, level in the uh, management hierarchy of the organization. Uh, in a way, I would say that what they did was respectable because in some other organization, you will see that people will keep on fighting to the end, uh, wanting to basically cling to their position as I don't want to think that stonewalling is being used as a deliberate strategy here, but the optics doesn't quite help. The first incident with PNB, former head Wahid Omar, and now Tansri Azman Mokhtar, it, seem, it seems like a tool to get some respectable officers to vacate their current position. Well, as I said, if uh, it's repeatedly used, it appears to be a, it appears to be a preferred tactic. Uh, in the center is becoming a trend, uh, and that seems to be the way you uh, signaling to everyone that you know, if you probably cannot meet the person who is supposed to decide over your future, then uh, it's like you know when you are trying to mar- you are trying to propose to someone to marry her daughter, and you cannot even get the appointment to see the girl's parents. Uh, that means they are trying to say to you, we are not really going to entertain you, but we don't want to hurt you by saying, no, we don't want, uh, I don't want my daughter to marry you. Thank you so much, Dr. Roshan, for speaking with us. Before I let you off the hook, um, how do you think the Kazana situation could have been handled better? Well, I, if it is, uh, I'm in the position to advise, I would give the parties in, involved the, uh, the, the, the opportunity to communicate with one another uh, to understand you see, a position like Hassan is always tricky. There are some decisions that they made in the past, probably because of uh, strategic considerations that they've gone through due processes. But even when you make such uh, decisions, there is always the possibility that it can go wrong. And of course, being a government uh, entity, there were always times when political pressure comes in. Of course, on the other hand, you can also say that, you know, ultimately you have to be accountable for your decisions, whatever is your excuse. So you have to basically uh, be able to accept the consequence of those bad decisions. Uh, we are more demanding on medical doctors, for instance, who make wrong decisions uh-huh. because it tends to affect us personally and directly, you know. Uh, we don't even give them the chance to explain themselves. Uh, if we go to, uh, let's say, GP who doesn't cure our disease, we just stop going and find another clinic or some people may even find a BOMO to actually cure them. Uh, so it's always relative to the kind of situation, uh, though I think more communication could have mitigated some of the uh well, metaphorically, optics, because for the most part, many of these things were hap- happening be, uh, not uh, within our... Uh, it's not really visible to us because the, the, the decisions were not openly discussed. Mm. Uh, so I would think that this is something that uh, uh, if I think we're trying to talk about a more open and a more transparent process, that engagement communication would probably be very uh, important. 
That was Dr. Roshan Othman, Senior Partner at Human Capital Development. Also on the phone with us right now and to take this conversation forward is our resident NLP specialist from Human Equation, Sheila Singham. Thanks for squeezing this call in, Sheila. Picking up from where uh, we left off with Dr. Roshan, uh, what would you say are the effects or repercussions of the cold storage or stonewalling treatment? Uh, give us a best case and worst case scenario here. Okay. I personally do not see a benefit to stonewalling or, you know, um, putting people in cold storage in an organization. If uh, performance is not up to the mark, whatever mark that you have set, you need to first of all communicate it to your employees. You know, you just can't assume people know. So if it's not just enough to fulfill their job description, they you expect a certain measure of excellence. Let's say on a scale of 1 to 10, performance needs to be like 8 and above. And if they fall short of that at any time, you need to constantly remind them, your employees, mm. okay? Snubbing them, ignoring them, putting them in cold storage, it's not going to enhance the performance. It's just going to leave you with, you know, uh, people who in the end become dead wood because they become so demoralized. Mm. Okay, they feel so unappreciated. I think I've said this before, you know, a few times before, that uh, people don't leave organizations. People leave people. Mm. Okay, so a lot of times if people are demoralized, they, they don't have appreciation and all that sort of thing, they will leave. Okay, mm. so, but when sometimes when you stonewall people, they're just going to get more demoralized and they're just going to stop working more and you're just going to have dead wood when actually you can give an option to sit down and talk to the person and say, look, your performance is not up to the mark. We, or if I have given you reminders before, you know, the person, your boss, is, as a boss, you've given reminders before, I've given you, I've put you in a performance improvement program, I've given you reminders, I've given you chances, you still haven't come up to the mark, then, you know, um, this is what we need to do. Um, give them the options to either improve or leave. So you don't see uh, any scenario where uh, stonewalling or uh, cold storage could bring about a positive effect? Definitely not. Nah. You mm. know, I, I, think, I think half the reason why things come to such a pass in organizations is people don't talk to each other. Mm. You know, there has to be continuous engagement. You know, 40% uh, of employees who were surveyed said that their happiness depends on the feedback that they receive from their employers on a regular basis. Mm. You know, especially if you got people uh, of a younger uh, disposition, you know, millennials and all that, mm. they want constant feedback. Having said that, you can also be in a very high position, okay? And if, if I, you know, if you're like, say, CEO or C-suite and all that, definitely you don't need people to be constantly telling you you're doing well. The results will show for themselves. The numbers will show for themselves, right? Now, if you're not meeting the numbers at, at such a, as, you know, then the board has to come up and ask you, look, show cause, tell us. You projected this, you've fallen far short of the mark. Uh, what are you going to do? Or, you know, what is the strategies you're going to put in place to mitigate the situation? You need to give people a chance. Mm. You know, just putting people in cold storage, I don't want to talk to you. What are you telling? What's the message you're giving the person? I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to communicate. You have nothing to say to you. Just, you know, go. 
But this happens a lot, especially in the civil service or even uh, in the army, in the marines, where if you just if you don't perform to a certain uh, standard, then uh, instead of letting you go, they just put you somewhere where you you're not needed or you don't interfere with uh, another team's work or with with uh, other people's work. Correct? You know, seriously, Audrey, if if you are doing things which are a danger to the lives of others. Let's say you're in the army or navy and you, you've performed things where you've, you know, you've endangered the lives of others. Mm. Then I would say that this person needs to actually be questioned. Mm. And if, if necessary, if it found negligence and all that, he needs to be court-martialed, you know. Mm. Similarly with the civil service, what happens actually, I don't know about stonewalling. I've just known that a lot of civil servants who fail at what they do uh, or, or have committed some big mistake or what, most of the time they are transferred to another place to go and do the same problem elsewhere. Yeah. You know, everyone thinks that transferring is, or putting them into a dead-end zone is going to be a solution. What is he going to do for the person? And so you continue to pay a salary to this person basically not doing anything. Mm. What's the point of that? Yeah, you know, and we, and what, what's the benefit? I mean, are you running a business or, or what, you know? Yeah. So whether it's civil service, private sector, whether it's any religious order or the, the armed forces or anything, there needs to be two-way conversation. You cannot wait until, okay, so you've appointed, let's say, a bunch of people for five years on a project, maybe to, to head a certain organization and given them a mandate to, to produce some results. You don't wait until the end of five years and say, hey, hello, you fail, huh? what did you do? Huh? Mm. And then go and put them in cold storage. Yeah, that's you unfair. As a yeah, if you're responsible at monitoring this, then you need to be monitoring them on a consistent basis. Mm. You know, having said that, if there is really a sign that, you know, whoever has been appointed at top level, mid-level, lower level, there's been signs of wrongdoing, there's been signs of corruption, insubordination, failure to carry out the task according to the specified, um, you know, the, whatever is specified in the contract, then those people need to be told, you have failed and therefore we are letting you go. Mm. Just keeping mum and saying, okay, you know what, I don't want to talk to you all and I mean, I don't see how productive that is for both parties. They can't move on, even if they wanted to go forth and, and do something productive, they can't. Because you're not giving them instructions, you're not talking to them. Right. And then for you, you have this whole bunch of people there who can't produce because you don't want to talk to them. And so how do they move forward? How productive is that? You continue to pay them a salary, mm. you know, and then what? You know, so that you need to talk. This, this is what I'm always saying to people. Communication, we all think we can communicate. But communication is of utmost importance. Feedback, a feedback culture needs to be there. Even in the civil service, you know, you, you come in and you appoint people. Every time a new minister comes in, he appoints his, his new people. And then when he goes, the people are left high and dry. I think that, you know... Um, these conversations need to be had. Uh, understanding has to be given that you're there while I'm there. But if you do good, you might be taken on by the you know, next regime. But if you're not, then you not need to be prepared for this. Keeping quiet and, you know, just uh, snubbing people. Uh, that's so rude, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> also, Sheila, just before we go, uh, from an NLP perspective, um, are there better ways to communicate the message of dissatisfaction to your employees, your, your team, your staff? Um, what would your advice be? My advice would be to talk, to, to call them in, to lay the, the, the cards on the table 
and say, this is what we agreed upon when we engaged you, and this is what you have achieved or failed to achieve. Therefore, it is best that, you know, you, you take the path of saying that you resign rather than we dismiss you if it comes to that. You know, in, in, in Malaysia, I notice we have a culture. People don't perform. You just pick them somewhere, transfer them somewhere. You make their life so miserable that, you know, they have no choice but to resign and mm. you know, go somewhere else. But many people won't resign because they themselves know that they're not going to, um, you know, get a job anywhere else with their mediocre performance, mm. right? So mm. they, they will stay on and hold on for all it's worth because they need families to feed and support and all that sort of thing. Are you doing people like this any favors? I think at the end of the day, it, it's about, um, you, it, sometimes you need to be cruel to be kind. If people are not performing, you need to get them to, you know, you need to tell them so, you need to get them to step up, you need to give them an opportunity. I always believe in giving chances to people, maybe one or two chances, three, four, five and all that is too much. Like you're running an organization which needs to produce results. You've got stakeholders you need to answer to. So right. if people are not producing the results, Sure, they need to be told to leave or something like that, or, you know, given that, that, that option to leave, mm. or, you know, given the message that they need to go. But you need to talk to them. You need to have that conversation. You can't just, you know, sit down and keep quiet and make life so miserable so that, you know, people just move on. That, that, that's not NLP. NLP is about operating at cause to take charge of your actions. When you just ignore people, shunt them around, stuff them into cold storage, you're just sending them the message, hey, it's okay to not perform. You, you're, still, you're still with us. you still got a job with us. Mm. How productive is that? You're not doing the person any favors. And I would say that where's your mentorship? Where are your real leadership skills? For me, a true leader will always look for the best in someone and see whether they can bring up that potential. So therefore, I don't believe that they're really lazy people. I always believe that if people are not doing their job, it's maybe that they're unmotivated or for some other reasons. Mm. You know, there's always a secondary gain people get from not performing. So you find that out. If you can prompt them to work, good. But I'm not saying that never give up on people. Sometimes people just, you know, they get a lot of secondary gain from keeping to their, you know, their, their bad behavior. So just let them be and let them go. Let them go, but give them that conversation. Conversations must be had. We, we need to talk to each other, especially now today we're looking at the new Malaysia. There's been so much hope about transparency and conversations that need to be had. Mm. I'm wondering whether those conversations are being um, conducted right now throughout, you know, the rank and file of, of the civil service. I, because, I, I mean, I've been hearing... Uh, news that you know some some civil servants are not cooperating with the new ministers and all mm, that. I think mm. that somebody needs to have a tough chat with these people. You know, like hello, you know who's where you're getting your salary from and what is expected of you. If you can't, if your values don't allow you to work with the new administration or whatever your political affiliations, then take early retirement and go and make way for other people. Otherwise, walk. You know, you just need to walk that path that is expected of you. Yeah, and they are employed to serve the government of the day. They are employed to serve the government of the day. They are not employed to serve any one political party. 
yeah. which is why civil servants have always been told that they should not be having any political affiliations. That is the reason. And if if there are people who are very entrenched, their 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 sentiments, you know, are firmly entrenched in any political party, they need to be conversation needs to be had with them to say, okay, then go and join the political party and work for them, or you are being paid to serve the government of the day by the taxpayers. Mm. So please do that. That was Sheila Singham from Human Equation. And earlier on, you heard Dr. Roshan Othman, Senior Partner at Human Capital Development. Now, if you miss any part of this show, you know what to do. Go visit our website, bfm.my, to look for the podcast. Or better yet, just get the BFM mobile app and let your favourite podcast come to you. That's a wrap for Resource Centre and this episode. My name is Audrey Raj. Thank you for listening. BFM 89.9.